0: Welcome to The Unfiltered Mom. I'm Elizabeth Lewis, and alongside some of my dearest friends, we've created this show so women have a space to have unfiltered, extremely raw, and insanely real conversations. Nothing is off limits here. This space is for moms who want to talk about everything, to dive into conversations we all deeply desire to have, but fear what others may think of us. This is your invitation to pull up a seat in a judgment-free zone and have a little heart-to-heart. Now, let's get unfiltered. This is a Soulfire production. This episode was Straight Fire, and we had the honor of having Elise Bowerman join us in this episode. She is a pre and postnatal yoga teacher and a birth and postpartum doula. So you can imagine what this episode is about, right? So we're diving in deep, like we're diving deep into all things related to birth, talking to our children about their birth, owning our birth story, and giving ourselves. Grace and the ultimate reminder that our stories are stories and they are all important and they all matter. They leave us with this question. Okay, are you ready? How can we start sharing the good things about birth stories too and stop judging one another? Also, we guarantee you'll be asking your kids if they remember their birth. I'm I'm telling you, every single one of us had our mouth open, like in awe. At everything Elise was sharing with us. This episode was so freaking good. So if you are ready to dive in, pull up a seat and let's get unfiltered. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis. And this week, we have Brooke Charmaine and a special guest joining us, Elise Bowerman. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but first I'm going to give you the topic because we are getting a little controversial up in here, and we're talking about birth and how people take a really hard stance on where they land when it comes to giving birth and how our birth story directly impacts our motherhood journey. And so we're going to start that conversation because we all believe a certain thing and it seems to be that it's one way or the other. So we're going to kind of jump into that. And I want Elise to introduce herself and it, would, it will give you guys a good idea of why we invited her onto this episode and why she's going to be such a great asset and hopefully leave you with some really good nuggets and a lot of really great information.
1: Thanks for being here, Elise. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to join you guys. So, a little bit about me is um, I'm a wife. I've been married for 15 years and we have two kids a 13 year old boy in eighth grade and a sixth grade girl who's 11. And I'm a pre and postnatal yoga teacher and a birth and postpartum doula. The birth world has been my jam for over a decade, um, basically a decade and a half now. And I'm very passionate about. Uh, supporting moms at this sensitive time and healing wounds, the emotional um, components of wounds when they show up and come up.
0: I love that. And I know, you know, it's a conversation that we have a lot because, you know, kind of, if I think back to mine, it's so interesting because I had, I I had Lauren when I was 16 and I had a really traumatic birth, but you know, when you're six, you're like, Oh my God, it was horrible. But then 12 years later, I really didn't Think about it too much, but I ended up having preeclampsia all as a teenager. I was a sophomore in high school. Preeclampsia, toxemia. And then, you guys, this is the funniest from my mom made me mow the lawn. I was like nine months pregnant. She, God love you, Nancy. Um, and so I was like out mowing the lawn. I was like, I think I'm peeing my pants. And I went in and I called her. She's a nurse she was like elizabeth you're probably just peeing your pants and i was like no i i something there's a lot of water and so i ended up going into the emergency room and had like a pin size hole in my water so then they induced me all of this when i was a, just a little baby essentially they induced me 36 hours of back labor the worst like i thought i was dying then they finally decided that after they tried to turn her they busted my water. They did all this stuff, and he goes, "You've got to go in for an emergency C-section." And I was like, "Oh my God, what?" <laughs> like, I just wanted to come in here and just be in and out. And then that was just—it was that was traumatizing in itself. And then I ended up having a lot of complications. Had to have my incision reopened, and it was like very traumatizing. Thus, the reason twelve years later. A very long time later, I was scared to death, and I end up having to have C sections every time after that, or at least that's what my doctor said. It's interesting now. I'm like, gosh, if I only knew different, would I have been able to have a back? But I didn't realize how much that shaped me until we had discussions surrounding it, like how that. I actually said to Brooke today, and she's like, "Don't put that on you or your daughter." But I said, "Man, do you think that how traumatizing my birth was is why my daughter has such bad anxiety?" And she was like, don't put that on yourself or her. And I was just like, well, honestly, it could be it. Like she has severe anxiety. And I know, you know, Elise, you've kind of talked about it too, is, you know, how we come into this world, like on the cellular level, how that can affect us. So I don't know. I feel like there's so much we could like dive into here. Brooke, do you want to take the reins? Because I know this is definitely a topic you are very passionate about.
2: (laughs) Super passionate about. Um, Nice, it's nice segue. Uh, No, I like what Elizabeth said and how she set it up about birth kind of affecting on the cellular level, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Elise. Yeah.
1: Well, first, Elizabeth, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, and you were at such a young, healthy age that your story probably. Could have been very different if some care would have been different for you and Lauren. And yeah, how we um, come into this world really matters. What um, and modern science in the study of birth psychology, which is a field of study that focuses on how our earliest impacts of memory are formed in conception, in pregnancy. During the birthing process, and then especially the first few moments after birth, and you know, up to three to seven years beyond, that really shapes our personality. Unless and if healing is necessary, and it sounds like maybe some healing time might be helpful. And the great thing with this research is that it's never too late to heal. It's really fascinating when we get into the anecdotal stories of this research that, like, grown men. Are healing with their mothers from their own birth experiences and uh, the way that they their thoughts kind of formulate It's really quite fascinating. But anyways, I can like talk about that all day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about that actually. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um cellular memory is held in like our deepest part of our being. And This science proves that we are feelers first. We are not thinkers first as humans. We are feelers because our earliest senses that get developed at eight weeks of gestation is the feel of touch. So we are feelers first. And at eight weeks also, the neurons in the brain are connecting and developing our taste buds. And by nine months, uh, a fetus can um, taste and develop the taste, which is why food, um, the quality of food and the nutrition of food is really important um, for pregnancy. We begin to hear at 19 weeks gestation, and we begin to see light as shadows and be able to track light at 31 weeks. So our senses are all developing, but without the intellectualization of anything. It is all feeling and sensing and hearing, right? So, if we think about our own being, like our own adult self, human form on this planet, how much of our day or time is really focused on sensing and noticing in our senses, what we smell, what we feel on our skin, you know, just taking the time to notice what we're seeing, what kind of Um, Movies or video games are we playing? You know, what's the content we're putting into all these senses of us, and then how does that kind of shape our intellect and the way that we form thoughts and label things as good or bad?
2: I love that because I, when I um, work with women who've experienced, I mean, any sort of birth, you know, and are maybe going into another pregnancy, another birth experience, and they get so hyper fixated on C-section, vaginal delivery, like, you know, home birth, medical induction, whatever it is. And I really try to help them strip away and go, how did you feel in your previous birth? And how do you want to feel in this upcoming birth? And how can we create some sort of loose plan to talk with providers so you can have that feel, whether it's like just dim lighting and calmness or a a scent, right? A certain scent that you want to associate with it. You know, do you need to feel like you have a voice in your birth? Is using your voice really important to you? And you weren't able to do that previously, you know, and, and kind of taking away the nuts and bolts of it and really getting back to how did you feel and how do you want to feel. So I love that you said all of that.
1: I couldn't agree more with your approach. Yes, it's all about the feels. Cuz you know, medical intervention and all the options that do exist for women nowadays are they're necessary and there's actually options and I think part of the which you did say, Brooke, but like another element is a lot of women don't know their options. They don't know that they um, can advocate for certain things. And that's a whole nother, you know, spiral too, of just talking about how this information just isn't well known. And sometimes it's on purpose. Um, and it's intentional in institutions. And yeah, <laughs> before I go down a rabbit hole.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I totally, I totally get what you're saying. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of like business and politics in the birth world. You know, I think we'd be remiss to ignore that. And maybe I shouldn't use this phrase. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, had a really traumatic birth, had preeclampsia like Elizabeth and also had help syndrome. And I like I needed a lot of medical intervention. It was absolutely necessary to keep me alive, you know, and based you know on my own experience and having a stillbirth like i would never choose a home birth that would just never be in my frame of thinking personally and i don't know i'd have a hard time finding a provider that would support that decision i had a hard time finding midwives that would even Touch me with a 10 foot pole based on my previous experience. And that's the thing that I keep going back to. And I keep talking about with clients is really going back to conversations they've had with midwife OB, you know, encouraging them to have a doula because I've yet in my experience to hear of someone having a negative experience with a doula. I know it happens, but Thankfully, I have not experienced that um, or have had clients that have experienced that and how those conversations framed how they viewed birth, framed how they viewed themselves as a birthing person, and then also framed their first few moments of motherhood that then they they carried, just carried into their journey and are still trying to undo when their child is three, four, five years old. You know, like those moments matter so much. You're at such a vulnerable and beautiful place, but it is really vulnerable.
1: Yeah. It's very vulnerable.
2: Yeah. And thank you
1: for sharing your story about your child and your stillbirth. That's a lot. And I really appreciate how you said, like for you, you would never do a home birth because of your lived experiences. And that's so important and and definitely circles back to what you said. It's about how you feel and helping moms and women and birthing people understand like what makes you feel secure? Is it touch? Does does a certain kind of touch make you feel at home? Is it your partner's touch? Is it your mother's touch? Whose touch makes you feel secure? Is it sounds of certain music or instruments? Uh, We can be really specific with voices and just helping people to get into like, what makes me feel seen and heard and like cheered on like another aspect is like when you're running a marathon, which is like birth, like this is the hardest you're going to work in your life mentally and physically. What makes you continue and go on and persevere during challenging times?
2: Yeah. Ooh, and, that's such a good question.
1: Right? Like, is it a cheerleader? Is it somebody saying, Hey, like, you've got this, you're doing it. <laughs> you know, like, Like, I know it feels like it's, you know, never going to end, but you're in the home stretch. Like, you, you know, like this baby is being born tonight. If it's like midday, like you're not gonna go through another night all night, like you are in the home stretch, like getting context of time, because time doesn't exist when you're birthing. Even though it feels like for I totally know if this forever 36 hour back labor, <laughs> you know, like the hours mattered, the minutes mattered. I completely understand that. But we're in and out of conscious time is one of my
2: point is. <laughs> yeah, but you even that question, like it personalizes it so much. Like I had a doula that I I would call her more like a coach, and that's what I needed, you know. And then I had a, a cheerleader another time, and they both were good experiences. But that coach, man, she was she was the one for me. Like she was the one in my face, like you don't want an epidural, like get in this position right now. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Oh okay. my gosh, <laughs> I needed that. I needed someone to like look me in the eye and say you have fought for this. Like, you know what you want. I'm going to help you get it. We're going to do this. And the more like, oh, you've got it, girl. Like, I'm a, a more of an assertive personality anyway. Like, when I'm in labor, come on. Like, please don't. I can't do the kid gloves. Like, I need you to tell me what to do. I, My one duel, she I was like a pretzel. I was in, I didn't know I could bend that way, <laughs> you know? And she was like, do it. You got this. And I was like, yeah, I do.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, but you found the person for you and she was obviously um, matching your energy too, which is a great sign of a doula and probably similar personalities where that was a really good match. Yeah, but knowing those things and, you know, we learn a lot as we go along. We learn a lot with our firsts and seconds and thirds and so on. We learn as we go and our needs are different as we go too. So we're never the same. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if that kind of makes
2: sense. <laughs> yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. I, I think I, I feel like I have so much, so many questions and just reflections as I'm listening to you guys. And I also am just curious with our quiet one over here, Charmaine, like what was your birth story? Like the beautiful. One, like, I am
3: great at giving birth. Oh my God. So like you guys are talking and I'm like, pregnancy was it? like, pregnancy was like, Again, because of my sensory issues, i tried everything I could as soon as my babies hit 35 weeks. Okay, I know your lungs are developed. Get out. Um, (laughs) But for me, birth was, I wasn't in a lot of pain and things progressed well. With my daughter, my aunt was like my doula. So I learned a lot from being in her presence at that time and what needed to be advocated for. And she was... Brooke, she was my coach. She was like, nope, you're not doing that. You don't want an epidural. You want a shot in your back? Come on, you're better than this. Let's go. I'm like, okay, auntie, okay, turn over. And so with my oldest son, I had, we we were stationed in Maryland and I had this beautiful little Asian doctor. I don't even remember her name, but she was fabulous. She was like a cheerleader on her own. And so that was a great experience. And then with my son, I had a midwife, so I decided to go uh, off a more of a old oh, natural route. I wasn't doing it at home, but I wanted something as close to home as possible. I like the separation. I like, I w- who gonna clean up the mess when we're done? Like I'm not doing like no, we're gonna have to do this now <laughs> in a hospital. <laughs> that experience was absolutely fabulous. So my heart always goes out to women who don't have. You know, these like that was the best part was like giving birth. Like that, boom. If all I had to do was I told my husband, if all I had to do was give birth, dude, you would have got your five boys. I swear to God, you would have got probably would have got six. If all I had to do
1: was give birth, you would have got it. (laughs) Could have had a basketball team. Yeah. You could have had
3: an entire football, soccer, all that. I would have had all the babies. But because I had to be pregnant, yeah, nah dog, you're not getting that. Because pregnancy was hard for me, not because I had, I did have complications with my older two. I was having seizures with my son and my daughter. So like, it, it was just a whole lot going on. But as well as the sensory piece of, you know, when you're neuro, nobody talks about being neurodiverse and pregnant. Like, that's just, mm. it, it's like, I want my body back, but in the not because I want to be a size six again. But because all of these feelings, and it's, they're touching me all the time. And no, it's not cute when I see the baby move. I'm not excited about that. So,
2: yeah. I love that you said that because I think there's a lot of women that feel that way. And they same. feel like scared to express that.
3: Yeah, because then people say, you should be grateful you're pregnant. I'm like, I am.
2: But in the you same be grateful and not enjoy it. And
3: that's what we were talking about the other week, right? It's like, yeah, the two can exist in the same place. But nobody ever really gives the these mom streets is you know they're tough. Nobody really gives you the space to do that.
0: (laughs) Moms are notoriously the meanest people on the planet. Like they're the most judgmental, the most shameful. Like I think we've talked about that so many times. And also, I want to give space, Charmaine. I love that you brought that up. I also want to say for women who have, I've had amazing C sections. Like my C sections were incredible, and. So many times, us women who have had C-sections, people shame us because they're like, well, that's not actually giving birth. Yeah, it is. You didn't actually give birth. I know. Or they're like, oh, you know, it couldn't have been that great. Mine was really euphoric. Like with my son, I advocated for myself and had the clear drape and I did all the stuff, the skin to skin, like did all of the, you know, delayed cord clamping. And my experience was truly incredible. And I don't think there's enough spaces for women, you know, when it comes to that, like you said, Charmaine, having a really positive birth experience and then the part of having a really positive C section experience. Oh, yeah. And there's women just can't accept that there's other ways to do things. And they get to be just as good as the way they see it should be. Do you know what I mean? And and I think at least you've said that too, where it's, I just don't understand why we have to judge one another's birth experiences, why it's such a big deal for us to jump on this bandwagon and say that your birth is any less than somebody else's, or, you know, if it's great versus it's bad or painful. You know, I, my first one was traumatizing, like it was truly traumatizing, but the rest were great. And so you know, I think there's, you know, when we had Maren, it was a little bit different because I was navigating grief while bringing a brand new human into this world. I was navigating the death of both of my parents within four months of bringing her into the world. And so, you know, I think there's all of those spaces, but I love that you brought that up. And I also think, you know, this is an important topic to talk about, you know, Elise, you you also said about advocating For yourself and women, just not realizing that they have choices because one doctor you go to believes a certain thing and this is how you should do it. Because most women don't know it's possible to be your own advocate and really navigate that because nobody taught you. Your mom maybe birthed one way or whatever the case may be. People are always projecting their birth stories onto you or their birth situation. And then you think, oh my God, this is the, the end all be all. I have to do this or you know, maybe you don't, I wanted an epidural. I'm not going to lie. Give me the epidural. I'll take it. I have no shame. I, you can drug me up. I don't care. Whereas people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Do you know
3: what that did to your baby? And I'm just like, wow. Oh, okay. Thank you
1: for your, thank disability. you for making sure
3: that I'm okay. And that I can endure the birth. Like, you know, but yeah. I've changed doctors mid pregnancy. Like who does that? I, I didn't,
2: I, I did it do a lot yeah,
3: of people. I, yeah, but that's not something that's av- like, do you really want to change? Like, this doctor, like, they should all know how to do baby. Like, I should be able to walk in and they should be able to do baby. I should be
1: good. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely right, Jeremy. <laughs> you should be able to, like, go into any hospital, anywhere when you're on vacation or wherever, when it's time to, for baby to come. Like, and if you're planning to, you know, birth somewhere and you're intentionally switching your provider, Early on in your pregnancy, it's like a bonus for their practice because they know you're coming. Yeah, because women can birth anywhere. And babies yeah. happen, babies are born everywhere, anywhere, all the time on vacation, wherever. At least one of
3: the things that you said that as you were you were starting to like kind of break out a plan for women as they look at birth and their birthing plan, and just those feels. I I think that's important to come back to. We're in a society where people feel like feeling takes time, right? And why would I want to feel? Why would I want to be present in this whole experience? Could you just dig into that just a little bit more? Because I think we need to get on the feelings train. (laughs)
1: Yeah, go on the feels train. So uh, do you mean like in pregnancy, to get in touch with ourselves, or after? I would say in
3: and maybe even thinking about that experience that you want. It almost sounded like you were describing a birth plan to me, but not a birth plan from the space of make sure I have my slippers, make sure I have my favorite house coat, but what is the vibe I'm trying to create? And why, like, why is that important for that vibe and having that vibe for your, not just for your pregnancy, but also for that labor. I think that's so important for labor and delivery to know what vibe you want. Because even if things don't go right, I think if it are go how you expect it, that vibe will still carry through. I've experienced anyway.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I hear you and uh, let me know if I'm going on the right path. So. It's important in pregnancy to be mindful of like what we're listening to, what we're sensing, the environment that we're around because like birth psychology and it links with neuroscience deeply and anybody who studies like the polyvagal theory, the vagus nerves, most therapists and some mental health professionals are into that too. Everything is really deeply rooted in our feeling and sensing part of our mind, of our brain, the amygdala and hippocampus. My goodness, if I can talk, amygdala <laughs> and hippocampus. And so when babies are inside of us, they will feel and sense what the mother is feeling. So if she is feeling, and I'm using she, and I don't mean to not say them or include all birth givers. I'm just trying to near just get to the point yeah. of talking. Yep. So they will feel what mother feels and senses. And this is where it's really helpful when a mother can communicate to her baby even at the earliest moments of gestation, of any time she can tap into that part of herself that understands that she's pregnant and carrying a separate energy and she's 100% responsible for this energy and this life that she's bringing into the world and to consciously connect with this energy and say man that was i have to have this hard conversation with so and so my mother my partner my friend my boss and i'm really nervous and anxious about this that you Are you are fine? Like you, baby, are doing just fine. This isn't your fault. And this is circumstances are changing in my life. And I need to figure out how to move forward in a healthy way. But I am just really nervous right now. I'm really feeling anxious about this and it's occupying all of my mind. And thank you for being with me. I'm going to get through this and I appreciate you going for the ride. So acknowledging that, like, somebody else is going for the ride with them. And that the, it's not the baby's responsibility to carry that emotional toll that they have no words or intelligence to understand, because if that kind of work isn't done in utero, then when baby comes earthside, it will probably take on an adult-like relationship, adult-child-like relationship with the parent, so it can not the baby, the child can care more about how the mother or even father, whoever's in the household are feeling and sensing more than what they are feeling or sensing.
3: Me and you are like this. I'm like, oh shit, this explains so much.
2: <laughs> I love how you phrase this because when you first started, like my mind was going of like, oh no, women already feel so guilty like for the choices that they make or things that are even out of their control in pregnancy. And you did not go down the path of like, you've got to make your life stress-free, right? Like you've got to alleviate (laughs) stress in pregnancy. (laughs) No, it is, but there's so many people that still say say that's their advice that they give. And so when you first started, I was like, oh no, I'm getting a little like nervous sweats. And then immediately you were like, This emotional piece of just separating what's going on from the baby. It was was beautiful and I loved it. And I love that practice because if a mom can do that with a baby that she can't see and flex that muscle, it's going to be so much easier when when her child is earthside and she can still continue to verbalize, this is not yours. This is not yours. That was so beautiful and mind-blowing, Elise. Like so good. Literally.
0: Wow. Literally so good. Oh, good. I'm so good. So, <laughs> honestly, honestly, at least if women, if any woman listening to this is pregnant or in the process of getting pregnant or trying to get pregnant and can take this one section that you just gave them, you know, and how you brought it all together too, Brooke, is just like if you can take anything away from that, just how connected. And I think that's the part that we miss just how connected. It's not just a baby in our belly. Like, right. The connection between baby and mother and like this, our souls, like this is on like a whole other level that we just can't even, it's so hard to conceptualize, right? To understand how connected we are without, because I think a lot of times it's easy to detach. Oh, it's just a baby in there. They don't know what's going on. They can't understand and all these things. And here I am, this one person. But you bringing this baby who, You think doesn't understand into this conversation of what's happening is not your fault. I want you. I want you here. But these are the circumstances, you know. Like it's just so cool. And I think if I just am really excited for women to hear this part. And also, like you said, Brooke, if you if you're done, like I'm done. I can't go back. There's no changing it. (laughs) But what I get to do, what we get to do, women like me who are done having babies, like Charmaine. I know, Brooke, you're done. Elise, you're done. Done. We get to teach our kids. We get to share this with our daughters, our daughter-in-laws, with all of these women that are in our lives. We get to help
2: them in this experience. Well, and not only that, you know, as you were talking, Elise, I was like, oh, my last pregnancy, we were building a house. We have a lot of issues with our... It's just, there was just a lot of issues and a lot of stress. And I was like, mom was definitely not doing that. But now I'm like, oh, okay, but I can still do that. You know, like it, like like you said, there is no timeline for healing, and I can still. When I'm in times of high stress and I'm holding my one year old, I can say to her, like, "This is mine to carry." Like, so glad you're sitting here on my hip with me, and like, this is why I'm frustrated, and it has nothing to do with you. Like, I can I still it. do that practice now. Like, it's not too late.
1: And you can even go back if you want, like talking to your children about when they were in your womb and talking, you know, like age appropriately, whatever phase of life. And you in very likely it would just be like sprinkled in conversations, but you can talk to them about what life was like when you were pregnant with them and what was going on and be like, you might've picked up on some of that. And, you know, that's not yours. And not that they consciously know that they're carrying maybe some of your stuff, but it just gives that subconscious mind, that permission. And the, the beauty of like, you know, just seeing like their, their mom or their parent as like human and be, you know, just having these conversations. And I know that like my family, we talk about everything. So my kids know everything and what, how they were born and birth and all the things. And my son was hospitalized as an infant. And we, you know, always talked about that. And I believe he had a near-death experience. And I think that that formed some of the shape of, you know, who he is and his nervous system and and things like that. we talk about it over and over again, when they want to, because they'll ask questions. They'll be like, so tell me more about like when I was pregnant, when you were pregnant with me, tell me more about the day I was born. Tell me, you know, what else, what else have you left out? Uh, cause they're curious. wouldn't you be curious if you were able to tap that information out of your mom or father or um, any adult who was around when you were being born? Like it, it starts, yeah. when, once you start to ask questions, it starts to, um, uh, make sense. <laughs> it starts to make sense. And you're like, this is why I'm wired this way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At
0: least actually I just bust out the home videos of the C section and they're like, I came <laughs> out of that. And I was like, that was my stomach. Um mm, <laughs> that's incredible. But we Yeah, our our OB let it let the anesthesiologist like literally record it. Oh wow. And then a bunch of my friends who have never seen C-section or been through it, they're like, Can you just show me that video? And I was like, You wanna see it? There's a lot of blood. And they're like yeah, so I've showed my birth to a lot of people, and I I have to share this. My son has a birthmark on his arm. He's like, "Mom, did you poop me out?" And I was like, "No, Nolan, I did not poop you out." And so it's a joke in our house. <laughs> if you had, if you came out vaginally, you were pooped out. <laughs>
3: That's so good. If, you,
0: if you were a C section, we haven't really come up with anything like that. But none of my kids were. We're pooped out, so but it's still a because my husband was his mom had a home birth, so it's a big joke. It's so bad, Um, you know, making light of the situation. But yeah, I I'm with you. We tell our kids like we talk about this stuff. You know, I've my youngest is five and my oldest is 23, and we we taught. I think it's so important, and they love. It. They'll ask to watch a video so much. Like my son, just always like,
3: wow.
0: That, <laughs> That, how big was that cut? And I was like, this big, Nolan. And he's like, how'd I come out of there? <laughs> they miraculous. pulled you out. Then you needed to have it be adjusted by the chiropractor. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: it's necessary. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. That's really beautiful that you share that with your kids and your family. Like, that's awesome because it, context is everything. And when we act like our, Babies in utero and once they're born, Earthside can't understand us and don't, it is not necessary for us to give them context. That's where confusion lies. That's where assumptions are made. And, yeah. you know, it also gives them more autonomy, like, of that, you know, they are separate and that, you know, I mean, they don't have a lot of choice in the matter, but it starts to build those conversations of like, oh, I'm taking you to go get your diaper changed. Here we go you know and and so they know what's going on and not like oh what are we doing now
0: <laughs> wow i just never i'm not going to lie i i would like to rewind because i'm like gosh this is so cool just to be able to talk to them in that capacity and just you know i think more in my healing phase of my life i really feel connected to that whereas before i don't know if i could have even wrapped my head around that no right? Like, I, I don't think I, honestly, everything you're saying, at least I would have been like, what? Like how? My girl, back. Yeah. If you would have gone back <laughs> when I had Lauren, I'd be like, oh my God, I don't know. But now that I'm in the stage, like I feel so connected to what you're saying and just think it's so cool that we have people that are educated like you or women that are educating other women in this in order to teach and share with women how to have a better experience in birth and even if their experience isn't what they thought it would be or what other people deem good, like what you get to make of that experience and how you can change it or navigate it or share with your child or speak to this person like they're a human and not just a baby who doesn't understand what's happening. And I think you just saying that, you know, this is like goes into a whole
2: nother realm of parenting too, right? How we treat our kids like they go ahead, Brooke. I was going to say, but that moment too, it takes the shame out of it. Right. So instead of a mom being like, Oh, I'm in this scenario, I know that I feel stressed and this is not good for the baby or the pregnancy and just piles on more and more shame. It's more about, Oh, like this is an opportunity to talk through it, navigate it, explain to my baby and, and move forward. Right. They're not stuck
1: completely. And they're not confused. Like, you know, You don't have to tell them everything, but like at least give contact and yeah. And then, and then they can move on because you're moving on too. You would be surprised by kids who
3: remember their birthing experience. Like my son is one of those kids and it's like, how, wait, wait, whoa, dude, how, like what? Like he remembers a lot of those different pieces. Like he, he holds memory for a lot of that. And it's just like, what? Like, I don't even remember that, you know? (laughs) And so I think, yeah, this, this piece of having these conversations with them on versus going, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, boy, be quiet, you know, having these conversations of, yeah, but this is how mom was feeling. And that didn't have Mm -hmm. anything to do with you, but it was, so that opens the door. Like Elizabeth said, prior to my healing journey, I've been like, whatever, like, look, you you here, be happy you here. Okay. Let's leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think like you guys have spoken so like clearly about how there and I'm I, this is not your words, but like how there's kind of a wall up, and until it's like tapped through of like really getting to the, like towards the essence of who you are, like that you're you know the shiny light for lack of a better, <laughs> yeah. But you know, and I think that that's part of our you know concern and problematic in our culture is everything is so very tangible and often instant gratification where women don't really realize the power that we hold and where we can tap into the sense of energy. And it's actually more in control of our life. It's like a softer space to be, and it can feel like less, like I'm doing less or I'm not as much or whatever words that we say, I'm not as productive or whatever, but we're really being so much more. and. When we give ourselves that expansion inside of ourselves, like that, just radiates to others. And most importantly, if you're bearing children, your children, like because this is the future, like yeah. our children and our households.
2: How can I ask how you got into this? Because I yeah. feel like when people choose to get into the birth world, it's based off their own experience, whether positive or negative.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. It's you know like human experiences. It's not linear. Uh, in a <laughs> nutshell, my mom it was very into energy healing, and in my twenties she became a shaman. And she, and when I was a teenager, like I, I've always been very intuitive and had like these inner knowings. I'm just somebody, I I don't really see things, but I have an inner sensing. And I was like, oh, my first kid is going to be a boy and his name's going to be Luke. And it's going to be L-U-C because I love, I have an affinity for France, probably from a past life or something. (laughs) And she's like, okay. And then she, like, once I got into my early twenties, she was like, you know, I'm learning a lot about what's called limbic imprinting and birth psychology supports limbic imprinting. And, and again, it goes back to how our first moments on this planet as a cell and beyond in, impact our walk in life. And she was like, you know, you were born by a, an emergency cesarean, but the doctor wanted you to be born on Thursday, the 12th, because Friday would be the 13th. and. So she's like, the doctor was like, you can't, you know, you don't want to have this baby on Friday the 13th. And my mom was like, no, nope, this baby will be born whenever she's supposed to be born. So my mom's telling me this, you know, in my twenties and she's like, you know, your emergency C-section, because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in my ability to birth. And she owned that, which was really courageous to say out loud and to, um, And she's like, I wish I would have known more, done things differently, blah, blah, blah. And so I was born on Friday the 13th, which is actually a very auspicious day. It's the day of the divine feminine. It's the symbol of the mother. And so I feel like really the day that I was born was when I came into this work. (laughs) And I'm usually like the mother of the group. I have this nurture and this innate, I mean, i all of us have this innate nurturing quality. Sometimes mine's just kind of steps forward. I, I can talk about a lot of different uncomfortable, often uncomfortable things in life rather calmly. And because I'm I'm comfortable with the dark side of life too. So anyway, so in a nutshell, so that's kind of like my story of being born and my mom just helping to plant those seeds of like how I birth is going to matter for my daughter and my children. And mm. so I knew that it would probably be harder work to have a vaginal birth after my mom's emergency cesarean, and what is imprinted in me. And sure enough, mm. with my son, my first, it was. There was thirty-six hours of back labor. I think I had about twenty-four, so I was a little bit underneath you, <laughs> <laughs> but the same. Like That's that sounds everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. But also in this healing journey too of understanding that i'm healing some ancestral lineage especially on the my mother's side the maternal lineage i really no longer think of his birth as traumatic i really feel very comfortable and like at peace of saying like like his birth was you know as peaceful it was good as it was going to go and we made it through i didn't feel empowered or liberated afterwards but i actually do now because of it because it was so hard And I repatterned what hopefully his children and my daughter's children will have to deal with because that how we birth actually matters. C-sections, of course, are absolutely necessary. But if we're looking to repattern things, how we birth does matter. And when the opportunity to have a vaginal birth arrives, um, it can be really medically necessary to have that and for the energetic qualities of being human. Uh, I wish it it's not simple, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no, it's, it's complicated, yeah, yeah, but yeah, so then, in my twenties, I started to take yoga and or like as a late teen, I started to take yoga, and I got really into I was planning to um get my master's in as a dance movement therapist, but I didn't really want to move out of Michigan, and there's only six schools in the country that do that training and I got into yoga and I thought that yoga was the perfect fusion of what I know about psychology and movement and aligning them together. And then right after I became a yoga teacher, I got pregnant. And in 2009, that's what everyone did. And before is you were pregnant and you taught prenatal and mom and baby yoga. <laughs> and, <that's what laughs> happened. and then I got certified and did all the things, you know, in our linear or in our linear uh, way of uh certification process. But yeah, it's just always been on my radar and I've always the universe pulled me in the direction of supporting pregnancy and postpartum no matter how much I tried to push it off my plate, especially in the beginning in those early years. I think having peers teach peers is it can be very beneficial but also hard as the peer teaching you know, like having a, uh, being a mom and pregnant young kids, teaching moms, pregnant young kids. You're all in the same phase of life. There's that camaraderie. But mm-hmm. I really like being in the seat that I am now with the new with the new moms that are coming in that are where I'm eleven plus years, almost twelve years removed from my last pregnancy. So I, I like this seat in space personally as a teacher.
0: It's so interesting because you know, I just wanna say this something you said, Elise, about um we know how we come into this, this world. And if anyone has done past life regression, you can actually do past life regression and, and literally feel through the birth that your mom had, like how you came into this world. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I've done like a group one and I want to do one. That's obviously not in a group, but I'm really curious because you know my mom's not obviously here for me to ask her, and I don't think I would have ever asked her when she was here. I think it's in her death that I'm curious about all these things within my own life, mm-hmm. and just was she happy? Like I just have so many questions now that I've gone through my own healing experience and my own journey, or it, not even he you know, this continuous cycle of healing, and and what you said you know, my mom's traumas and my ancestors' traumas and all of these things that they went through. And I think that we just, you know, it's interesting we don't talk about that stuff enough and how that stuff is just passed on from generation to generation. And, you know, we don't think we have choices or we we don't really know and we don't understand or get curious about it because we don't know.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Elizabeth. And I also wanna kind of hit home too is all of our journeys are meant to be our journeys. So there's no winning there's no losing it's what is and the acceptance of what is is essential so that we don't kind of going back to the beginning of like projecting our stories or what we know onto other people's stories the acceptance piece is so critical in understanding how we operate as a human i like for instance like i was an emergency c section after you know a good a, a solid 24 hours if not longer of labor and I do things last minute as C-sections are prone to procrastination and, you know, hitting like kind of a home run, like last minute, like give me three weeks to do something like the last 24 hours is really when I'm going to be stepping up my game on that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but statistically like that's like something that's true about emergency C-sections. Planned C-sections have different scenarios where they kind of are, are seemingly like wanderers because the time because the time that they were chosen to be born wasn't wasn't spontaneous uh, in that way. It's really fascinating. But it all is what it is. And everyone's story is beautiful and special. And, and to just have that context of how we operate and who we are, and uh, we can give ourselves lots of grace.
2: Yeah, you make a good point, because I think a lot of people get so, you know, hard and fast about what they think is right is really Mm -hmm. fear-based, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't want my friend or my sister or whoever to have the same experience. So do this or don't do that. And it really comes from that lack of acceptance. Like you Mm -hmm. were talking about of, Hey, this is my story. And it doesn't mean it's going to be anyone else's story. And it's, it's mine and it doesn't have to all be negative, right? Like trauma, you know, I'm, I'm not into, rose colored glasses or like, let's find pain in the purpose. And you do have the capability to reframe it for yourself. You do You have that choice. Oh, I think hmm. there's
0: honestly, I think there's so many good pieces to this. And you know, the common, the commonality here is that our stories are stories and they all are important they all matter and and they're always going to be that way right it was that was how it was was always going to be that way and i think the thing that i really want women to take away is stop shaming other women for mm-hmm. their journey for their the the way that they choose to do it and start supporting them and and helping them advocate for themselves or make their own decisions instead of projecting on your your story or the way you think it should be done, because I do think, you know, we do all have choice and we do have this ability to support one another in another person's decision. And I think that's the thing that's so interesting is I hear women all the time who are newly pregnant and they're like, oh my gosh, everybody wants to share their horror stories, but nobody wants to share like this euphoric, beautiful part of birthing or being pregnant. It's like, how can we change that narrative? How can we start sharing you know, this was my experience and like really following up, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be yours or asking for consent first. Like, right. Before you is it okay to share somebody. this with you? Do you want to hear my my story yeah. or my journey? Instead of assuming or, or putting it on someone, uh, actually making, it feels like we're making other women carry that for us when it's like, whoa, I just, I'm just pregnant well, it's and never excited. About
3: them. It's always about the person who's given the horror story. I need you right? to I need you to secretly feel sorry for me. And then I need you to be as petrified as I was. Yeah. I want us both to be petrified together. And then I want you to do the shit that I didn't do. So then maybe I can tell you that you did it wrong, even though you had a great, isn't that the most twisted shit ever? (laughs) It is. And it's reality. That's, that's the problem. And that's. Yeah.
2: Our worst fear is being unprepared, right? Yeah, you know when you have something happen to you, you feel really naive and that makes you feel stupid, and you don't want anyone else to be blindsided when in reality, all you're doing is spreading fear. yeah, and that doesn't have to happen at least i I find you really refreshing because yeah, oftentimes, as a therapist, you know, I come alongside of birth workers and try to kind of help add that mental and emotional piece. And girl, you schooled me today. Like I, my mind is blown. Yeah. Yes, everything you said it and not even just what you said, how you presented it was so beautiful and so non-judgmental yes. and not fear-based and also so positive and hopeful. And that's the energy that women really need mm-hmm. when they're More pregnant least, and birthing and postpartum. So you are right in your gifting. You really are.
1: Thank you so much. That is so sweet. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking about this because like you said, like there's not many forums or spaces where we can have these raw conversations and sharing your stories without judgment or fear of right. persecution for having a you know, a, like a positive pregnancy or birth experience. Like, geez, yeah.
0: <laughs> like, what a concept. Hey, me. <laughs> I know Charmaine's over here.
3: Yeah, it was great. I'd give birth every single day. Thank
1: I would you. do
0: this.
3: At least where can we find you at? On, like, where are people like, I mean, I I know a few people I would love to like put on to you like, hey, girl, don't be worried. Somebody got Aww. you.
1: <laughs> Aww, thanks, Charmaine. I so appreciate that. Uh, well, I'm in West Bloomfield, Michigan. I teach in-person classes and then I am online as well. So I have uh, a website called dot com, And uh, so you can touch base with me and connect with me either way. I do virtual one-on-ones too, uh, because wow. sometimes it's just necessary to get that private time and to just brainstorm and process together. And I'm not limited by any organization registration or licensure. <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> Thank you so much. This was Yay. refreshing. So and I'll we'll refresh. put it in the show notes
0: too. We'll make sure everything's in the show notes so everyone knows where to find you and hopefully utilize you and your services because I think, like Brooke said, we need more of this. And yeah, so we'll be over here shouting you from the rooftops, Elise, Absolutely. and making sure yes. everyone at Detroit Mom and Beyond. everywhere <laughs> can can even find someone like you. And maybe if you, if you're listening and you're not in the Detroit area, hey, maybe she's got somebody that's just like her in another part or another area and can direct you in that location. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you took a lot of good stuff away from here and just remember to be nice to one another and stop judging. That'd be really great. (laughs) And the world would be such a better place. But beyond that, thank you guys again and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much.